I guess in one sense this is the pastor's uh, nightmare. You get up at a pulpit and there's nobody here. But we know you're all out there. And we know that some of you who uh, appreciate a connection to living truth or are really uh, have moved out of state have now joined us for live streaming. And some of you have been waiting for this uh, moment for uh, quite a long time. And so here it is, kind of forced into it, but we're really glad that you're here with us. We're going to take a break from the book of Galatians, and we're turning to Psalm 42. And I would encourage you to sit back and relax. If you're in your pajamas, I'm jealous. But uh, hey, relax, grab your Bible, grab a device that you have the Word of God on. And we're going to turn to Hope in God, Psalm 42. Now, as we normally do, if you'd like to, we can stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to go ahead and locate the text. I'm going to move this out of the way because I don't think I'm going to sit in the stool. Psalm 42, Hope in God. Well, Father, as we uh, are getting our Bibles together here, we are grateful for everyone who has joined us, grateful for the tech team and the great staff of Living Truth. And I'm so proud of their hard work. And I pray that you would bless them and their families Uh, They have each gone the extra mile to uh, make these things happen. And I'm so encouraged by their love for you and the love that they have for your people. Lord, as Shane was singing, I was thinking about resurrection power raining down on this country, on the White House, on the schoolhouse, on the college university, on the church house on every house in every neighborhood, not only in California and the United States, but around the world. Because Lord, I believe that you're speaking to us. I believe that you have a message for us. And I believe that message is, it's time to put our true hope in God. Would you help us, Lord, to take this time in the word of God as families are gathered, as individuals are gathered, in different places, and we do miss one another right now, Lord. We have to say we miss the smiling faces, we miss the hugs, but we're going to be together again. And while we're apart, and while we, are, we have the blessing of this technology, I pray that it would be exploited all around the world to bring many people to Jesus Christ, to bring many people to the living hope that's found in him, And to bring some of us fully back to you, Lord. Because I think many of us would have to confess that we've been distracted. We've had other things that have taken first place in our lives. And interestingly enough, those things have been stripped away. And so now, Lord, we look to you afresh. With fresh eyes of faith. A fresh desire to have a season ahead of us that will be a season that we've been praying for of revival. Wouldn't it be awesome to mark this time as a time that catapulted the world into revival? May it start with my heart. May it start in this church. May it be for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And I normally say, and all God's people, so tech people and staff that are here, can you say it? Amen. (laughs) Psalm 42 Uh, Before I read the psalm for you, I want to remind you that we have uh, distributed the uh, 40 days of prayer. I really felt compelled that we needed to pray 
as a congregation, I would encourage you to spread the word on that. Share it with your family. Set that alarm for noon or whatever time you can pray. And be praying. And use those five R's. Uh, you can check that out from the website or the app. Here, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears, Psalm 42, verse 3, have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival, verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mitzar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. And if you stood, you can be seated. God bless you. Well, here we are at Psalm 42. We're going to do some special messages during this season. And Psalm 42 is uh, credited to the sons of Korah. And it may be because of the music that was given in the psalm, but many scholars believe that Psalm 42 is given from David. The words are from David. The prayer is from David. The uh, struggle is from David. Uh, many believe that the setting is when David had to flee from Jerusalem because his own son Absalom was trying to steal the throne from him. It was one of the more painful times in David's life and it was painful because David knew deep in his heart that he had really caused it. The Lord had said to David, the sword will never leave your house. And so each time something happened after David's fall with Bathsheba, he knew deep in his soul that it was a consequence of what he had done. And even with that, he cried out to God for mercy and grace. Scholars would point out that there's a connection between Psalm 41 42 and 43, and especially Psalm 43 with 42. In fact, they may be one psalm. And just to give you three of the cries that we see here in the psalm, it's, it's mentioned three times from the ESV. It reads, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? You can note 42.5, 42.11, and 43.5. J. Vernon McGee called this psalm the heart cry of the remnant in the last days. He even said he believed it could be used during the great tribulation period and is applicable to the redeemed of all ages. So this psalm is for me and this psalm is for you. 
This psalm is called a maskil. You'll notice it's a maskil. This is the top of the psalm of the sons of Korah. A maskil is a teaching. It's an instruction. You could call this a roadmap. And since the main question is, why are you in turmoil, O my soul? This is a roadmap from turmoil back to hope. And if, any, if at any time in my lifetime and in history, we needed a roadmap, a prescription for healing, a roadmap, roadmap back to hope, it's right now. I mean, the way things have moved so rapidly with this virus is amazing. And we need a prescription, a teaching, a lesson for hope. David opens the psalm this way. As the deer, 42.1, pants, he longs, he cries for the water brooks. If you have an ESV, the flowing streams. So my soul pants for thee, O God. Just as the deer pants for the water brooks. That's the opening image. So my soul pants for you, O God. In Joel 1.19 and 20, the end of a chapter, uh, a long chapter on a locust plague and a call for repentance to ancient Israel. And it's interesting that there's a terrible locust plague right now that started in Africa, incredibly simultaneously with what's going on here with the virus and around the world. And uh, it's been called the worst locust plague, I think, in 25 years. The book of Joel is about a locust plague that happened and a call back to repentance of the people of God. We'll come back to Joel in a moment, but Joel 1, 19 and 20 does say, To thee, O Lord, I cry, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. The flame has burned up all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, for the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. It, there's a deep thirst in the psalmist's hearts, in David's heart, and it's, he says, it's my soul that pants for you. I have to ask you, what do you really thirst for? What do you really look for to quench the deepest longings of your heart? That's the question that I put before you. Some of you recently have returned to the old watering holes, if you will. And you have found that those things will never satisfy, but you've tried to go back. Right now, all the familiar has been stripped away. Isn't it unimaginable to think of how many things were simultaneously took off the table in our lives? Every major sport is shut down. Nothing to watch except reruns of all old golf tournaments. I've tried to watch a few of those. We have restaurants closed. We have uh, outdoor sports closed. We have pretty much the city is shut down. Everything and it's unimaginable to think that this has happened, has been taken off the table. And some of the talk that I hear right now is talk about boredom. What am I going to do with this free time I have? But I have to be honest, I haven't heard a whole lot of talk about the Lord. And I believe that the Lord is sending a message to the world. And I'm not going to try to prognosticate about the reasons that this came and the cause of the virus, but I am going to say that oftentimes in history, God has used these times to energize his church and to draw us back to him. And one of my, one of my personal uh, goals during this time is to get close to God. I, I want my prayer life to improve. I, I want to know him better. I want to know my Bible better. And I spent a lot of time already in the Bible 
but I want to know him better. And I think many of you are resonating with this. You see, does the Lord have your attention? Does he have our attention right now? He's asking, what do you really thirst for? What, what more will it take? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you thirsty? Do you want to drink it in? Do you think about the things in our world just for a moment? Think about the things that often distract us. Do they move us toward righteousness? That's a question I've been asking myself. Do those things contribute to me being filled with the Spirit, filled with the things of God? So many of the things that we, that we sow to have little or nothing to do with righteousness. Oh God, bring us back to a place of righteousness. What, you know, in our culture, I look at uh, today, things that are going on, things that have happened in our culture, there is a void of what is good, what is pure, what is true, what is right. It's almost MIA. And what do you think God is saying? God said in Amos 8 and 11 and 12 that there would be a famine in the land, but not a famine for food, but a famine for the hearing of the word of God. And I, I really plead with you, if you're a pastor, get back to the word of God. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need shows. We need God's word. And that is going to really minister to our heart. The psalmist is in a spiritual drought. He feels distant from God. Maybe you have. For God's presence, he longs for intimacy with God. And his thirst cannot be satisfied outside of God. The world's water will never do it. Never. And oftentimes in Israel's history, I think we all know that Israel tried to turn to false idols. In Jeremiah 2, Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And he said in 11 through 13, has a nation changed gods when they were not gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. They can hold no water. Everything that they created is broken. It just leaks. It cannot satisfy. That's what Israel did. They went to false gods, and they moved away from the God who is the living water, and it was just broken, dead Cisterns, dirty water, not moving fresh water, but broken cisterns that just sprung leaks anyway. Man-made stuff. Remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus uh, had to go through Samaria? I think that's John 4, 4. And he had a divine appointment with a woman at a well. And that woman had come to draw water and you know that she was a broken woman. She was a woman who had tried to go to all the hewn-out cisterns. She had been married five times. She was living with a man. And Jesus met her at that well, at Jacob's well. And he said, woman, he, he asked her for a drink, and she said, well, what about social distancing? <laughs> That's just a little joke. <laughs> Stay six feet away. But 
it's kind of a joke, but kind of not, because we, we learn there that Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jews would often not even go through Samaria to return to Israel or to leave Israel. And Jesus offered her living water. You see, she was a broken woman, and Jesus had come to give her living water. Maybe you feel that way right now. Maybe you would say, I don't even know if I'm thirsty for God right now. Then why don't you ask God to make you thirsty? You see, there's so many thirsty souls. And if you remember the story, after the woman realized who Jesus was, she went and told other people in Samaria, and other people came to the living water. And right now we have a great opportunity, don't we? We have a great opportunity to practice Matthew 5.16, to let his light shine through us to others, to go and give living water to other people, amen? People who are desperate, people who are getting in fights in stores over the last cornmeal or the last toilet paper. Crazy stuff. Stuff that maybe you thought, man, I can't even imagine. This, this almost seems like a movie, but it's happening. This is a call to the church. I heard Tony Evans recently say, Pastor Tony Evans, as you wash your hands, and a lot of us are doing a lot more hand washing, go and wash someone else's feet. And I've heard some great stories. I've heard of church members putting prayer tables in their neighborhoods, church members uh, making sure that people are okay doing well checks, uh, church members maybe even thinking about uh, blessing somebody anonymously and helping somebody who's in need. And we're here for you right now to pray for you. If you're in a situation where you're in need, the, the body of Christ wants to be there for you. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Verse two, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When can I go and meet with God? Now you might be saying, well, what is going on here? Well, the psalmist, if this is David, his deepest thirst, is to meet with God. He wants to draw close to God. Dead, lifeless idols can provide nothing. They do nothing for us. He wants, look at verse two, the living God. Every other God with a small g is a false God. It just cannot satisfy you. I wanna show you an interesting passage if you hold a place in Psalm 42. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 45. I wanna show you a few verses in Isaiah 45 to contemplate about idols and what they produce in our life, which is nothing good. So, I'm sorry, Isaiah 45, 6 says, that men may know, 45, 6, from the rising to the setting of the sun, that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light, Isaiah 45, 7, and creating darkness, causing well-being, notice, and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Drip down, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up salvation and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe to the one who quarrels with his maker. An earthenware vessel among the vessels of the earth. Will the clay say to the potter, what are you doing? Or the thing... Yeah, you are making say he has no hands. In verse eight, I've been kind of reflecting and thinking about the song by Michael W. Smith. I don't think he wrote it, but he sang it famously. Let it rain 
Open the floodgates of heaven. Oh, how we need a revival. And we need to come back to the living God. You see, the psalmist says, not any old God will do. Verse 19, same chapter, Isaiah 45. I have not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring things that are upright. Gather yourselves and come. Draw together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge who carry about their wooden idol and pray to a God that cannot save. Skip down to verse end of 21. There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none except me. And please listen if you're not a Christian. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Look at verse 24. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him, and all who were angry at him will be put to shame. See, the psalmist says, I, I need the true God, the living God, not dead, lifeless idols. I want to go to God. This is a picture of David, if you turn back to Psalm 42, unable to worship God because he, probably this is the setting, because he had to flee Jerusalem because of Absalom. And Jesus said when he walked the earth, come to me, all you who are weary and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to the Lord and come to him now. You know, we, uh, we are separated right now. And uh, maybe we took church going for granted, would you say? You know, we come Sunday after Sunday and we think, hey, all things are going to remain the way that they always are, right? We're going to be able to see our church family. We'll hear great worship, great preaching. We'll have hugs. We'll have donuts. We'll have coffee. And then in a matter of weeks, it's gone. David had to move away from Jerusalem and cross the Jordan, kind of in an emergency exit. And he left the ark. He had the ark go back to Jerusalem. He was away from the temple, away from the main place of worship for the people of Israel. The temple meant everything in those days. Now, you and I are the temple, and we can worship anywhere. But let's admit that corporate worship is beautiful, isn't it? It's special. And if you've been taking it for granted, or maybe you've been away from corporate worship for a while, my prayer for you is that when the church doors reopen, you come back. That you're first in line, man, to say, I'm going to worship with the people of God. I'm not going to forsake the assembling because I thought the church would always be here and always be open. And, you know, uh, the book of James is true. We don't know what a day is going to bring. Would to God that we heed the message that's being sent to us. The psalmist says in verse 3 of Psalm 42, I'll try to move a little faster, but you know Pastor Michael, right? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? We find out a little bit more about the psyche of the psalmist. He's been crying. In fact, his tears have been his food, notice, day and night. Day and night he's been crying and all day long, almost like his tears have been the bookends for the critics' smears where the, while they say, where is your God? I'm crying and they're mocking all day long. You know, I, I think about here the unbelief of our culture. I think about people who mock God on a daily basis. And I think about Galatians 6, 7, which says, don't be deceived. 
God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And so maybe, you know, as we look at our unbelieving culture, and I'm not saying everybody is an unbeliever, but we all know what's happened. I'm not going to revisit everything that's happened in the country. But I am going to say to you, don't you think that right now, instead of the skeptic saying, where's your God? We would want to come back to God. Now, in a sobering text, and I want to qualify and say to you that this text does not apply directly to our time, but there are some things just to ponder here. This is Jeremiah 9. I'm going to read verse 1 and 18 through 24. And I just want you to hear these words. I'm reading from the NIV, and here's what it says. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, when his uh, own nation was judged by God, said, Oh, Jeremiah 9.1, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. We know uh, recently we just heard some staggering statistics from Italy about people who have perished. Let them come quickly and wail over us. This is verse 18 now. Till our eyes overflow with tears and water streams from our eyelids. The sound of wailing is heard from Zion. How ruined we are. How great is our shame. We must leave our land because our houses are in ruins. This is the captivity now. Now, O women, hear the word of the Lord. Open your ears to the words of his mouth. Teach your daughters how to wail. Teach one another a lament. Death has climbed in through our windows and has entered our fortresses. It has cut off the children from the streets and the young men from the public squares. Say, this is what the Lord declares, 22, Jeremiah 9. The dead bodies of men will lie like refuse on the open field, like cut grain behind the reaper with no one to gather them. This is what the Lord says. Let not 23, the wise man, boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. Now take a breath. Now, we know, as you turn back to Psalm 42, with this virus, that not everybody's going to get it. And from what I hear from the CDC, about 80% that 80% of the people that do get it will have mild symptoms. And uh, I heard uh, Pastor Steve Wilburn talking. He was on KKLA, and he said, you know, he was reading Second Chronicles 20 about Jehoshaphat, and he had three armies coming at him, and he began to pray. And the Lord is faithful. Here's my point: We're not living in the time of Jeremiah. But we have had something devastating hit the whole world. I think it's really important that we turn back to God. That is my uh, encouragement. That is my prayer. It's on the prayer list that we've handed out to you. These things, 42.4 of Psalm, I, I remember, Psalm 42. And I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. This is probably when the ark first came into Israel, when David was dancing before the ark in 2 Samuel 6, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. I used to be with the people of God. I used to be coming at the days of uh, festivals around the uh, temple or the tabernacle, a happier past. 
there's an application to our churches. The psalmist is sad that he can't worship with God's people at God's temple. And, and we're kind of sad too. But here's the good news. David would return to the city of David, to Jerusalem. And I'm confident that the Lord is going to heal our land as we cry out to our God. Because he is merciful. And so the psalmist says in verse 5, Why are you in despair? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed or in turmoil or disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Hold on, an answer is coming. Why are you in despair? Somebody might say, why not? Look at what's going on. And sometimes what we need to do in times like this is do some healthy self-talk. Maybe call it a pep talk. I heard John Corson say, you know what? You can talk yourself into depression and you can talk yourself out of depression. You see, our self-talk, how we talk to ourselves is really important. And we need to be encouraged that our hope is in God. If you're bummed out right now, if you're depressed, if, if, you're, if you're, you know, doing a bunch of stinking thinking, talk yourself out of it and say, you know what, I'm not going to do that anymore because I hope in God. What's the worst thing that could happen? I gave you the statistics about the virus and I'm not downplaying it because it is serious. But even if we die, where are we headed? We're going to heaven, man. To be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. So as a believer, we have a peace, his peace that passes understanding. My peace I give to you, my shalom, not as the world gives. I don't know where the world's looking right now, maybe to medicine. And thank God for our medical people and our doctors and people who work to try to get discoveries. And there's some promising things going on with some possible medications for this virus. But ultimately, our hope, our peace is in God. See, it's not just for this life. It's also on our death and the life to come. See, as a Christian, I haven't put all my stock in this world. I've put my hope in the living God. And hope is the opposite of turmoil. Hope is the opposite of despair, amen? Hope is in God. He is the God of hope. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait or hope in the Lord will gain what? New strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll do the impossible. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. I can do all... See, I would normally wait for you to say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord is my hope. The Lord is my strength. Quick fixes will not do for the long run. What is hope? Hope is biblical assurance. Biblical hope, it's firm assurance. It's a firm confidence centered in Jesus Christ. It's just simply hope is faith looking forward. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Let's put our hope and trust in the Lord. Oh my God, verse six, my soul is in despair within me. It's not bad to be honest with God. We should do that. 
Therefore, I remember thee. I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mitzar. Now, David was pushed away from Jerusalem to the Transjordan area. And this is probably what he's talking about. And he says, Lord, he turns his self-talk from negative to positive into prayer. Oh, my God. Now he starts praying. My soul is in despair within me. I'm going to be honest. This is where I'm at. But I remember you. The Bible says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Psalm 55, 22. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. God loves us. We're his people. Jesus died for us. And memorials are all throughout the Bible, like the Passover and communion and the spring and fall feasts and the memorial stones of Joshua 4. Remember who you are. Remember your God. He made the world and everything in it. He's on his throne. He's in control. It's going to be okay. You see, we can be still and know. We can relax and know he is God and he'll be exalted in every nation of the world. Psalm 46, 10 and 11. Deep calls to deep, verse 7. I hear the tumult of the raging seas, New Living Translation. At the sound of thy waterfalls, all thy breakers and thy waves have rolled over me. Now, some scholars believe verse 7 is more of a deluge of problems. It seems like when problems come, they come one after another like waves and you can barely get a breath. And that's how these times have certainly felt. But maybe there's another application here and the deluge could be the water in the early verses of the psalm that the psalmist was longing for. Maybe we could see this as waves of living water. And even though we're in the midst of waves of problems, God has waves of living water and they never run out. Grace upon grace is what God gives to us. They just keep coming. And so maybe this is a reference to I thirst for you and the waves of love start coming. Waves of love, uh, you could could call them torrents of grace coming into our lives, rolling over me. Lord, let it rain. I think verse 8 might prove this out. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night. When I was was crying in the day and night earlier in the psalm, well, now, instead of me crying, I'm going to receive the living water and I'm going to focus on his loving kindness, his covenant love has said in verse 8, and he's going to give me a song in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Jacob said, this God has been my shepherd all of my life. God is good. And you know, um, I found myself just praying some really simple prayers right now. A prayer to the God of my life. Oh Lord, be merciful. Oh Lord, bring us back to you. Each day, New Living Translation, verse 8, The Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night, I sing songs, praying to God who gives me life. Let's take advantage of the time. If if we're able to be at home with our families right now, and we've had a really busy schedule, how about some worship? How about extra time getting to know our Bibles? Many of us would confess we barely opened our Bibles in between Sundays. Now's a time to redeem 
and get to know God. Summon your might, your power, O God. Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. Psalm 68, 28. Lord, I put in my notes, bring your lakes of loving kindness, your waves and surges of songs of hope. Lord, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven and wash away this plague and the spiritual drought in our land. Psalm 92 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to declare thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness by night. Psalm 92, 1 and 2. Here's the spiritual roadmap or prescription for healing if you're in turmoil. Get back to God. Do some healthy self-talk. Let your prayer life improve. Cry out to God that he'll let a revival reign in your heart and start singing worship songs that you love and sing them in the morning and sing them at night. I will say to God, my rock, he goes back, he says, why have you forgotten me? Life is still tough though. Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? He remembers that God is his rock, but he also remembers that he's in difficult times. And we, we can't deny that we're in difficult times. But here's what God says to us in Isaiah 49, 14 through 17. Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. God says, Isaiah 49, 15. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. I'm unable to forget you. Behold, I've been inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders hurry. Your destroyers and devastators will depart from you. We are going to see an end to this. We are going to see, even though sorrow may last for the night, joy will come in the morning. Hold on. Dear saint, the King David was restored and our world, as we pray, will experience the mercy of God. I'm confident of that. Final few verses. As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? A little bit more detail of what may be causing the tears of the psalmist David. When bad things happen, have you noticed? Inevitably, the, the mocking starts something like this. Well, where's your God? Or where is this God of yours, New Living Translation? And I know that the world tends to do that, at least some of the world. Some of the world, hopefully, is turning to God, but sometimes we get the mocking. Why? This age-old problem of evil. Y'all should have been here for the book of Job. <laughs> but you can catch up right now, and you can find out about the problem of evil. It's a problem but the power of the gospel. We'll be doing more of Job on Wednesday nights when you join us on YouTube. But it's a bummer when people are mocking and some of you may be asking the question, well, why are bad things happening? Well, there's no guarantee that the righteous will be spared of affliction. The church hasn't for 2,000 years. Here's Psalm 34, 18 through 20. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He keeps all his bones, a prophecy of Jesus now. Not one of them is broken. Jesus was not even spared from the problem of evil. He experienced redemptive suffering on the cross for us. God's son wasn't spared. God doesn't 
keep us from all affliction, but he'll see us through all affliction. And that's the biblical promise that we have. Listen to the words of Joel as we think about the churches and the nation returning to God. In that locust plague I told you about, this is Joel 2, 12 through 14. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him. God is so good, so merciful. Man, he showed his mercy on the cross. And that's why we can end with this main thought. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Let's mark it. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, and I be my Savior and my God. Things will get better. Let's hold on to God. He's the lifter of my countenance. He's the lifter of my head. Let's look to him right now maybe more fervently than we ever had before. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Psalm 4, 6, lift up the light of thy countenance upon us, O Lord. This is why the psalmist can be encouraged and you and I can be encouraged. God is good. And when his face shines on you, no matter what's going on around you, he's the lifter of your head. You can check out Psalm 3. And here, the new living, why am I discouraged? Verse 11, why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for all those who have joined us, opened their Bibles, and got into a most beautiful and precious psalm. Medicine for our souls. A roadmap back to hope. And Lord, through the encouragement of the scriptures, we have hope. You're the God that gives encouragement and perseverance. And I pray that over your people. I pray that you would give them encouragement. You're the God of hope, Romans 15, 13. I pray you'd pour fresh hope into your people. I pray that they would be renewed and mount up with wings like eagles. They would be blessed and encouraged. And I want to say to you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says Jesus Christ is our hope. You can check out 1 Timothy 1.1. He is our hope. He's the hope of the world. Have you met him? Do you know him? Do you need to come back to him? If you've never trusted in Jesus, what a wonderful time to do it right now. To know that this God who made the world, became one of us, and died on the cross to give us hope. Trust in him today. It's just something very simple. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, rising from the dead. I place my faith and my hope in you. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God, and be my King. I repent. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I ask you to be my Lord, and I want to follow you. Help me follow you all the days of my life. I want to say to the church family, Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your prayers and your love. It's really felt, and it's, it's something that's very precious. 
And I speak on behalf of all of the pastors and staff when I say you're very precious to us.